man, it's been it's been a minute, Gabe. Who several minutes? Who's in the room with us right now? Besides us, in the room, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just kidding. It's Allie <laughs> Burnett. Good to be here with you all. I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's perfect. Hello, thanks for being here. It's always this is great. par for the course for a cult podcast opening. Just no problem. Very off the cuff. Always a train wreck. Very raw. No, but something I wanted to bring up today before we jump into this episode and talking about Succession Season 4 and the whole show, RIP, is the writer's strike, <gasps> which then turned into the Screen Actors Guild strike, <gasps> which has now turned into unionizing for vfx workers it's freaking crazy yeah. out there people and we we even had a very very short-lived director's guild strike did we yeah they caved immediately as they are wont to do <laughs> they're wanton yeah wanton because they do. don't suffer quite as much yeah. as the writers and the sag actors gabe suffer. and steven have been at all the strikes oh yeah we've been at picketing. the front non-stop picket line for me <laughs> i haven't even gone into work i mean <laughs> i mean honestly like it's a good thing we're both still non-union because like we could have been very easily unionized at this point. I guess so. <laughs> no, seriously. And we should start a union. No. <laughs> <laughs> Workers' rights, Stephen. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, but you know, it's been crazy. So, so the writers went on strike back in like 2007, I think. I remember because it was in season four of Lost. Season two of Heroes. Season two of Heroes. <laughs> What an amazing season of television that was. Um, and then, so so it's been a long time, and the writers are on strike. I, I don't know if it started out this way, but it's turned into this whole, like, battle versus AI, taking over Hollywood. And That's a big talking Taking point. over their jobs. Yeah. But I don't think it started out that way. Did it? No, that's just one of the big points, but yeah. it's really not. The AI just kind of happened to come up at the same time. And it, this strike probably honestly would have happened anyway, because there's a lot of other issues. Yeah. Like, just getting paid. Yes. But the AI thing definitely became a big talking point. One of the arguments that I heard about for the writers is like seasons of television used to be 23, 24 episodes long mm-hmm. for, for a whole season for a year. And the writers would work on like five or six episodes per season and they would earn about 20,000 per script, which meant like they would make their salary would be like, like a hundred to 150 a year. Wow. Cause they get paid per script. Now, they're hired for streaming service television series, which often lasts from eight to 10 episodes and they only write one. And so writers have really been struggling in Hollywood. I mean, they're making like 20,000 a year. And even, even though they're like workshopping with a bunch of other writers for the other eight to 10 episodes, they're not getting credited or paid for the other seven scripts. Mm -hmm. So, it, it's kind of been a huge detriment for a long time, and it's, it's definitely necessary. There needs to be some sort of restructuring, especially since streaming has taken over. And that's, that's one of the biggest talking points. And then the Screen Actors Guild... It ultimately comes down to payment. They're just so trying pay. to get... Like, day actors are getting shafted and stuff like that, so... Yeah. Well, there you go. It's never good to be shafted. And so, no. like, I stand... That's why it's so funny <laughs> when I see people say, like, the argument for the strike, when I'm like... What do you mean? They're not even getting paid. Just pay yeah. them their friggin' yeah. fair pay. <laughs> yeah. Someone's getting paid. Yeah, it's the big man. And that's why... The Bob Iger's. Why I wanted to bring this up before we talked about Succession. They've been quoting Succession. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. Yeah. While picketing, they're basically saying, like, it's 
who it was one of the the actors Brian from Cox? Succession. Yeah, was it, I think it was. Oh, did he say something? He. Was, I, I was gonna. It, was, it might have been more, but I know for sure Brian Cox said some words. He specifically compared it to Succession, and like the people at the top, the the head of the studios, basically taking all the money and not giving dispersing any for the the rest of the people yep. you know down below that are actually making the thing. So yeah. And, and he compared it to succession and saying like, you're like these people in the show that we just made. Like yeah. that's why we made the show. Cause that's why we all believed in it and made it was to basically show this is the kind of tyranny that exists and show how the people actually are that are intertwined into it. So yeah, there's a lot of nuance in the talking points, but ultimately it boils down to just getting paid, mm-hmm. you know, fair wage, <laughs> which is usually what typically what the strikes are about. And the VFX artists, I mean, holy cow, if anyone has been severely underpaid, I mean, we're talking about the writers also being severely underpaid and actors, but, but VFX, the way that that works is they always place a bid, right? And then that bid is for a certain amount of work, but there always ends up being more VFX work. And then there's time pressure that's alluded to it. And they're, because they just kind of bid a flat rate at the start before the work actually began, they never really know how much work is coming down the pipeline and how much work they end up doing. They end up working, you know, over 12 hours a day, often like 16, 20 hours a day. And that's honestly why uh, the quality of VFX has also not been as great lately. And so for the first time ever, what? I said Marvel. (laughs) Yeah, for the first time ever, the VFX artists, specifically the ones that work at Marvel, have just unionized, you know, I guess against Marvel. Hell yeah. You know, so that they can... Get, get, paid. get paid and also get more substantial professional quality of life, <laughs> like yeah. decent hours yeah. and management for sure. Anyway, it is worth noting that some studios have agreed to those terms like a 24. Yeah. And so they're allowed to keep working yes. with the actors and the writers yep. and so on. A 24, you're killing it as always. Talk to me guys. Yeah. Uh, all right. But here we're going to talk about succession. Ali, take it away. <laughs> I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Just blank stare. All right, season four. Yeah, what a ride it's been, huh? What a ride it's been. If you want to hear our previous discussion, you can go back and listen to our season three recap. Allie was also present for. But season four was absolutely insane. I don't know really where to to start. (laughs) Well, in the second or third episode, they I mean, full spoilers. Yeah, full spoilers. (laughs) Because uh, it's another show that could have gone on for multiple seasons, yeah. but they they brought it home. In the second or third episode, they just kill Brian Cox's character, big old Logan Roy. Which, did it come as a shock? Or maybe it was episode four, I think. Did it come as a shock? I think it was three. Uh, it was a shock. No, you, were you shocked? No shock? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, because he's the main antagonist. And he's been dodging the Grim Reaper for three seasons now. I mean, yeah. I think the show was supposed to open with his death, wasn't it? I feel like it was uh, one of those situations where they he was so good, they had to keep him as the core of the show. Yeah. What was so funny is on accident, we played the first episode of season one instead of wherever we were in the latest season remember that season and it yeah it had it was so it was really fresh we were like wait is he alive again (laughs) but anyways it started with him you know essentially on his way out but then he remained Mm -hmm. and like obviously like i said he's the main antagonist so he propelled 
the tension. There's, of course, tension between the siblings, but the main tension, I would say, is between Logan and his kids. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that all took place in episode three, Connor's Wedding. Which Con. Connor. <laughs> Con. The, the episode right before it, and honestly, everything leading up to episode three was fascinating because when where season three left us, it was like, okay, the three main siblings are getting together. They're, they're unionizing <laughs> and they're going to take down their dad. And then very subtly, it shifts very quickly in episodes one and two. Logan kind of works his way in there with Roman and kind of starts taking over again and kind of speaking serpentine nonsense in his children's ears and it's so heavy and so weighty and then they have this this one scene in episode two that i absolutely loved where they're all up there i think for some reason for for connor or something it was like his bachelor party or something like that whatever it was they're all up in like the top of this club and just the four siblings. Oh, the karaoke. The karaoke. It was a karaoke night. He, wanted, he just wanted to have a thing with that's the siblings. That's right. That's right. He wanted to have a thing with the siblings. But so they all get there and Connor kind of lays it out. He basically says, I don't need dad's love like you three need dad's love. And he kind of tries to separate mm. himself from them, which was a cool statement on what I was wondering about Connor the whole time and why he kind of is set apart or separates himself apart. And then Logan walks into the joint and then tries to, again, coerce the minds of all of his children and then, and does. And again, they're all playing this Game of Thrones style. Who's going to take the throne? How are we going to usurp our sibling? How are we going to do this? And meanwhile, Shiv is like kind of in cahoots with Alexander Skarsgård. Then episode three hits where Connor's supposed to be getting married on a yacht, I think. Or the yacht's going to their wedding. I don't really remember. And they kill Logan. So like that antagonistic force is gone. And the way that episode three plays out, and this was like all me trying to get to this point right here, was so crazy. It was like it took fans of HBO, fans of the show by storm. All the articles the next day talking about specifically episode three and how they handled that death was so fascinating because it happened very suddenly. It happened in a very grounded and real way where often like you would when, when anyone you might know dies or is on on their deathbed and you don't really know what's going on. You don't really, you don't really, you can't really put all the pieces together because you're not really, you're not physically there where it's happening. All the information you're getting is from um, second, um, second hand. What I was going to say from Tom Wom's game from Tom. Yeah. From, from secondhand information coming in. And so they tried to keep it very true to life. And that specific episode was praised as being one of the best episodes of succession for, for not only it's realism, but also it's writing and how well-written that episode was. Cause it was like a complicated chess match <laughs> the whole time you're watching it. But yeah, very sudden. I didn't. I mean, I. I think I. I think I suspected that he would die. Really early on in the season, yeah. Because I just like was thinking the show has to end because we knew this was the last season. So I was expecting him to die sometime because the show is called Succession. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, you're it's not, not sure Lo- Logan's going to succeed himself. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, you're not sure if he's dead. Like yeah. for for some time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Until. 
probably later in the funeral. Yeah. But even then, you're not sure because Logan Roy's presence in the show, mm-hmm. brought so incredibly to life by Brian Cox, is such a powerful force. Yeah. That even through the rest of season four, his presence lingers in this tangible way. Mm-hmm. And so you're never really sure. Even if you see the body, you're never really sure if he's actually dead or if he's just, if this is just another part of his mastermind plot to <laughs> drive his kids crazy mm-hmm. and further divide, you know, and conquer. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I think the cast didn't even know it was the final season until the end of the final script. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember someone, I think it was Shaban's actress said that. And so they were shocked because they didn't know. And even during the funeral scene, when they were shooting that, they were trying to keep everything under wraps about Brian Cox's character's death. And there were, he, I think he, he did some misdirection for the press uh, where he showed up for that day of shooting just to throw people off and make sure nobody knew it was happening during the season. It's just a pretty epic, yeah. you know. Yeah, a lot of realness. I mean, we have some method actors in there too, right? Oh gosh, yeah. Kendall, uh, what's his character? What's that guy's name? Jeremy. Jeremy Strong. He's a method actor. Brian Cox has given him some some shit for uh, doing that. But yeah, no, but I was going to say like the show is such a big part of pop culture. It kind of like had a, a bit of that Game of Thrones. Yeah. There was a lot of like a lot of talk on social media, like who's going to succeed and people voting. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was it was interesting the way things played out. What do you guys think about Tom essentially being the, suc- the successor? Yeah. Tom Wamsgans. Crazy. I don't know. I I didn't try to predict anything because I felt like I had no idea what might have happened. But not I, cousin Greg. No, I still don't know how I feel about that. Actually. I think cousin Greg is like is tied to the hip. Didn't didn't because he and Tom have had this thing throughout mm-hmm. the show, and I think Tom came to him towards the end, right? And he's like, they're they're okay. Even I think they're they, okay. I think he's... they spent some time away, but they're now they're back. Yeah. But I I love the dynamic, the way it ended. I I honestly couldn't say if it was the best outcome for like the story, but I think it works really mm-hmm. well. Um, and seeing Tom's relationship specifically with Shaban oh, is so, so powerful, <laughs> so powerful and wretched and raw and it's so sad. Sad. Like, you had, like these are people that are so like irreparably wounded from yes. the life they've been living up to this point. Yes. And the power dynamic is completely shifted mm-hmm. and no one's really winning. I, I'd be curious. I'd love to talk to Tom's character or to, to the character of Tom, like Darcy. in that universe and see what he's thinking mm-hmm. at that point in time. Cause he is essentially, you know, he's not on top of the world, but he took over like that part of the company Yeah. while the other kids have like lost the game. Yeah. It's really interesting. And Kendall's like borderline suicidal. Oh, yeah, it's like you have that scene at the yeah. end with Kendall and he has his father's bodyguard, but it's he's like at a distance. Yeah. And he's like walking in a park or something. Yeah, he's looking at the and water. And it's like, yeah, yeah, there's like, there's no kingdom. That The kingdom yeah. he was craving is nowhere to be seen. It's not his. And and what happened to Roman at the end? I know they Roman all had falling Roman sipping out. a martini or something. Oh, he's out. Yeah, he's. I think he's, he's, he's happy now. Yeah, he's, I don't know I if think he's, he's truly at, at peace. Relieved, maybe? The most at peace. Because yeah. he never really wanted in the game, right? I feel like when the show started... He they... wanted his father's approval, like all of them. And I, I do think he felt a sense of like satisfaction or approval when he thought it could be him. I mean, they all they all show that. They yeah. all are craving that. Yes. Um, so, but I do think there's a sense of relief. Because out of the three, he seems to have the most softness within him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, despite his... <laughs> kind of callous exterior. 
He yeah. does have a very a very sensitive. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, I think the only you see that, that in the he season. He has the callous exterior is to hide the fact that he's that he is really sensitive. sensitive. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't know how to deal with those. Yeah, and you see at the funeral, he like finally breaks down. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he's just criticized for it. Yeah, but he's yep. probably the best off at the end because yeah. he's out of the game. I think he's like I said. I think he's truly at peace. Yeah. Well, speaking of Tom, always being on top. Yeah. Uh, I want to take a quick break to play a song in the middle of this episode because that's something we do now. By the band Always. Something we've been doing now for several casts. And and the song is called Tom Verlaine by Always. Succession season four, and we're talking about the outcome of the season. I can't believe it's over. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's kind of perfect. Like Breaking Bad had like five, like six seasons. It was actually five, but it's considered six. And people call that you know one of the best shows ever made. But but people are saying Succession having these four tight seasons, telling this kind of succinct story is the perfect length that like mm-hmm. every every show should be this length now <laughs> should be like a four season arc you know i could get by if it's that. that strong of a of a show yeah <laughs> yeah of a show. um but yeah there was that moment right at the end where you finally saw kendall was it like grovel or did he like whine or no he like yelled and said, he had a total this psychotic is my, this is my birthright or something like, like I'm that. the firstborn yeah, son. Yeah, I'm the firstborn son it was a total but psychotic it, break man it's it's it truly shows the insecurity the, the need insecurity, for approval yeah. the sociopathy behind you know the arrogance of privilege mm-hmm. and every child in mm-hmm. the show every person who's pining after money and the privilege is kind of a representation of an embodiment of, you know, how privilege can inhabit a human being. 
-hmm. And it's like, you have, you know, the image of, of Roman who's taking his privilege and doing one specific thing, you know, Shiv is taking it and she's trying to prove herself as the only daughter, you know, and Kendall had like, you know, he's always had like a drug, like he's had addiction issues and, um, considers himself, even though there are moments of vulnerability where they even like announced him King at one point, you know, his siblings were like, you're the one that's going to take it over. He, he's still extremely entitled and that entitlement just all goes to his head in that final scene. And you finally get to see it. And I, and I loved that. I finally got to see it as the viewer. Like it, it came out finally, like he actually said the thing that we have all known all along. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he said the words, the emotion was there behind the words. It was so awesome to finally hear it and see it out of his mouth mm-hmm. rather than him stuffing it down, which is what every sibling did. Like they, they always justified their actions and their, their motivations throughout the whole show. So it was so awesome to finally like see the comeuppance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you guys agree with that? No. You're talking about their explosive argument in yeah. the boardroom after yeah. ship mm-hmm. votes. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was insane. That was painful. He, he actually physically assaults Roman too. I yeah. think. That's right. Cause that I think was... he, he like moves towards Shabon and Roman gets in his way and then they start, they like hug, like, like it's like he holds him and is also hurting him. Well, that's, I think that's the before. same time. I think that's right before, but in the boardroom, I think Kendall's actually like beating the shit out of Roman. Yeah. Doesn't he hit him in the face? Or Cause something? right before they have the meeting, I think Kendall hugs him and mm. like he, yeah, he breaks, he has, Roman has a bandage. That's right. And, uh, and Kendall, Kendall like the... Kendall messes it up, and so yeah. Roman starts bleeding again because yeah. Roman's a basket case. Or that might have been at some point before, but afterwards in the boardroom after Siobhan votes no on Kendall's succession play, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's when they all snap and they start going at each other's throats. But that was crazy. I'd love. I I was so even before that, like that scene was insane. But the moment before when Siobhan votes no. After the night before, they had all agreed to like be on the same side. That yeah. was the craziest moment for me because mm. it was like almost like this impulsive moment of conscience that she had, uh, <laughs> where she knew that this was not the right thing to do, mm-hmm. even though they had agreed to do it to say yes. Yeah, to Kendall and Roman going up together and taking over. But mm. yeah, that that whole sequence of events, and then into their falling out and and whatever happened next. That that was just the perfect end of the show in my opinion yeah everyone's true nature is being revealed yep and getting their comeuppance like you said it's just it was it was like perfectly played what did you guys think of that politic episode like i think it was episode eight it was where where there connor was yeah they were trying to basically the presidential race yeah the presidential race ah that was amazing it's crazy how there's a lot of commentary behind it being yeah i mean it was it was a perfect analogy for like what the the recent election or wherever where mm. Donald Trump was like thanks to <laughs> the handling it of the media was basically handed the election uh that was amazing yeah to see whatever their news corp is called what's it called again <laughs> i have no idea the the roy uh company why why royco or whatever i don't remember royco royco they they basically handed the election to this guy uh, and he hadn't won it yet. And I don't think he actually even gets it in the end because they do the due process 
and sort it out. But it was an amazing display of American power play in politics. Yeah. And how none of it is really real. It's just all about perception and public, you know, swaying the opinion of the public. So that was really cool. And I wonder if it upset anyone because it was so true to, true to like the essence of American politics. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was hilarious and sad, especially seeing the way the characters interact in that episode. Cause like Roman's totally on board. And this is a character who, who've like we already said, had a lot of tender moments in the show, but he through this, like this really rough right. and callous exterior, he's right. trying to put on this face that like, it's kind of nihilistic. Nothing matters. Just throw this guy in there. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> but, and he has some great quotes in the episode too, where he's talking about how, how none of it is like, none of it's real or whatever. Yeah. But it is, it is so amazing to see that brought to life and it, to be such a big part of uh, pop culture for a short while. Yeah. Cause it is so political. Um, but it is, I think that's something that it, it's great to, to be shown in that way because yeah. it, it makes it, I think something that people can start to to understand or process a little bit who may be sure. so out of the know of what's really happening in, you know, Washington and stuff like that. Like, oh, I can start to see how these things might have happened, you know? Although I don't think, like, the general populace is watching this show. Like, I think... The, I think I don't know. It's really it's, big. It, from, like, I know Instagram is not the best... Um, like, my dad's watching it. Don't you think that Tell, this- but, like, people I follow who I would not expect to watch... Like we're posting about like, oh, like voting. Like, do you not think this show requires like a specific level of intelligence? I know what you're saying and I don't think so. I think, I think it it can be for anyone because it, even though it's a smart, intelligent show and some people may uh, analyze it on a deeper level, Uh I think the show is for everyone because it's essentially exploring human nature Mm. and everyone can relate to that. Yeah, that's well said. But even on a superficial level, it's so, uh, delicious like and my, sure. my, like game my of thrones evidence, yeah exactly it's game yeah. of thrones for adults and mm-hmm. this is entirely anecdotal evidence but i was just like i was just saying my dad is super into the is show game of thrones for kids i forget no mm. but it's like for everyone but mostly for younger people i think like millennials and oh, skewing in that direction okay. versus like you know boomers and gen <laughs> gen x okay. but that's why i'm because my dad's super into it but i don't think he can parse out a lot of the subtext of the show sure and a lot of what the actual intention of the commentary is. Sure. Like when he's watching the politics episode, he's probably not understanding that he's been played <laughs> by this establishment in such a way that is being displayed to him through this he, he's piece watching, of television. He's watching something that actually happened, yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't understand a lot of that mm-hmm. on a deeper level, but mm-hmm. he loves the show because mm-hmm. it's compelling, it's great drama, and it's it's like opening a window for mm-hmm. a lot of these you know middle class Americans into this upper echelon of society, and it's so delicious. I love that word from the context because <laughs> it's it delicious. is. It's like it's like they're getting a, just a, a glimpse, a taste of this yeah. life of in high society, and it's yeah. like because when you think about, and this is this can this would go for too long, so I'm just gonna. I'm going to wrap it up <laughs> my, my soapbox, the deconstruction of like the brainwashing of the middle class of America or, or like whatever constitutes most of the people that vote in, yeah. you know, red, they think that these people are to be celebrated. They think this is the end game. This is like, these people have made it and these are people to be idealized and, mm-hmm. and romanticized and made as celebrities. And so I think when my dad watches people like Logan Roy and Kendall Roy, he's like, yeah, he's like, that is America and that is Hmm. beautiful. Yeah. So I don't think he can parse out 
the character flaws and a lot of the, mm. you know, the nuance and the commentary there. Yeah. But everybody's watching Succession because everybody else is watching Succession. You know, people are talking about it in the same way. Sure. Maybe not quite in the same breath as Game of Thrones, especially considering the way it ended. But Succession having ended in such a spectacular fashion in its prime, I think it'll, you know, it'll only stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on a more simplistic level, it's about a family, which yeah. I think anyone can be intrigued by, like family dynamics and, and trauma and generational mm-hmm. trauma and yeah. like the things that are explored within all of those dynamics. And they dig deep, too, yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, like the relationship with the siblings is really intense. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, with their father, too. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot for everyone to to enjoy, I think, out of the show. Despite, you know, who you are, where you're coming from. Yeah. Allie, you're pregnant right now with our third child. <laughs> and yep. Shiv was what? pregnant in this season. Which, yeah, I don't... She hid that for a long time because <laughs> I definitely had a bump, like a big bump. Yeah. When I was 20 weeks. Yeah. So, what do you think of was... Shiv's arc this season? She's trying to buddy up with with Skarsgård the whole time. It's the same old, same old. She's just looking to have the power and to have the upper hand and to be safe. How did you feel about her and Tom's relationship? I feel like it had a lot of crazy ups and downs. And basically, when the season ends, she's like arm in arm with Tom again because he now has the power mm-hmm. and the money. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, about- I think it's like what we said before. I think it's it's intriguing. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. It's is it about power or money though? Like that's the thing because are for their relationship are the Roy's are the Roy kids all. Like, do they have zero money at that point? Are they looking no, still to have they still power? have money. So it's about power. Yeah, it's about money power, is power and acceptance mon- yeah. and pride. I mean, if, if all the kids are okay, if they all have enough money to, like, survive money, Money is never the issue within the show. Like, in terms of what they're trying to, what they want. Like, their actual desire is not money. If it, it money is like a like a byproduct or like it's like a tool, mm-hmm. you know, but what they're wanting, yeah, is the acceptance and the power. Yeah, that's a great question that I wish we had more time for, but I definitely think the way you can describe power and break it up into different things, money is one of those things. Station, you know, perception of station being another one of those. But I think when you say uh, like acceptance alley or like like validation through the eyes of their father and stuff mm-hmm. like that, or even public perception, mm-hmm. um, that's definitely probably the biggest part. I just think that because they grew up in privilege, they're not thinking about money in the same way that someone else might be. Yeah. The money's like always there. I, yeah. I think there's like a deeper desire and... I think it is more about their family dynamic and their father's approval and wanting. Yeah, yeah. they're to, so damaged. <laughs> to be the one, like they each there's there's moments where they each say, "I should be the one." No, I should be the one. Yeah. It's like they all have that mm-hmm. that pride, mm-hmm. but also it's it's coupled with insecurity. Mm-hmm. I think for the secondary characters, even Khan, it's about money, mm-hmm. or you know, about <laughs> he's different. Yeah, <laughs> he's like another. But for the big three, it's definitely that. I'm surprised Jerry lasted so long. She was about to be cut, and then 
she like ends up being on top with Tom right in the end. Pretty yeah. wild. Well, the whole show is characters. No, I know coming I, and going. <laughs> yeah. Um, this will be my last question for this episode. What did you think? What this is to both of you. What did you guys think of Alexander Skarsgård's Matson as like a replacement for the antagonistic force after after Logan Roy after Brian Cox is gone? Because I I personally like didn't think he was as compelling. No, I mean, you can't compare him to Logan, but I mean, you have to like the, the, the directors and the showrunners were saying, essentially you have to have an antagonist. Otherwise you don't have a show. You don't have mm-hmm. the reason that people are compelled to watch. Cause you have nothing mm-hmm. playing off of the main character. I think it could have been personally, I think it could have been done without him. Like, I think that there was enough strength of tension and antagonism within the sibling dynamics to keep the show going. But I, 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 I thought he was like a, a good element. Like, I don't think he was like yeah. super strong or I wasn't like extremely like, like in intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> he was more intriguing in the Northman, but, um, of course he was very strong. <laughs> he was super strong. In that show. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent. Like, I think it, yeah. he was okay. he was fine. I don't know. What Dave, do you think? Thoughts? Uh, if you're talking about his performance, it's hard to top Brian Cox's Logan Roy. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not specifically talking about any one thing. I just, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, if you were, then in that respect, it's tough to go up against the legacy of Brian Cox's character in that show. And so, in that respect, I'd say it was probably a weaker, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. antagonistic force. Especially because sure. he's younger and he's in a lot of ways, you know, taking just as much as he's giving in their back and forth, their kind of bare knuckle fight between the Roy children and, and him. Right. But conceptually, I found it really interesting because everything that Matheson or whatever his name is, everything scars Matson, everything Matson represents is new, uh, progressive, modern yeah. stuff. You know, it's tech, it's future. Uh, speculative, it's like crypto, yeah. crypto, and what you know, yeah. the whole bag. It's a good like binary, like a good contrast to he bring didn't in. Even have wealth, like he was basically yeah. broke. Yeah, and the reason he was making the move was to mm-hmm. get out of debt, basically. Yeah, and that so, that's why I thought it was interesting because Logan Roy represented the old, and uh-huh. Matt Matson represents the new, and especially when the Roy kids are trying to capitalize on that and mm-hmm. take advantage of that, mm-hmm. they're not even able to fully understand what it is because none of them really understand anything about what they're doing, especially when it comes to the forward thinking stuff. Yeah. The tech stuff that Matson's into. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so lucky they had that ace in the hole card with, uh, sure. They're talking about his numbers in Brazil or something. Uh, like they made up some, some stats. I mean, Matson's company to be fair was apparently in some, some hot water behind the scenes. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I didn't mind the whole... Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things going on in that season after Brian Cox died. Like, we had the politics stuff, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, Matson is just one of those things. But yeah, if you think about what he what he meant for the Roy kids, and uh, particularly right after their father died, and they were on that Norwegian retreat or whatever, and they have the confrontation on the mountaintop. Right, yeah. He, so crazy. Uh, yeah, I think he, he was a great foil for, for the Roy kids. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. It was fun. It was also fun just to see Skarsgård kind of just chew up the scenery with Mm -hmm. that character. Like when he was drunk at the party and he's just like going like philosophically saying random shit. (laughs) 
he's, <laughs> he's sending this woman his blood. Yeah, he's <laughs> such a weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. But it de- definitely Frozen. discredited, I feel like. Like, they're bringing in certain elements that kind of discredited his... Genius. Um, intimidation. Like, it kind of, like, yeah. broke down his character a little bit. Like, yeah. You know, whereas, it's like, it's whereas like, Brian Cox's character was like this armor. Yeah. Well, it's this. like what James Cromwell, who played his brother, Brian mm-hmm. Cox's brother, mm-hmm. tried to do at the funeral, like mm-hmm. basically defame him, mm-hmm. you know. Tenderly. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was pretty interesting. James Cromwell's a powerhouse. Yeah. A lot of powerhouse in this show. Well, here at the end for the last time, you guys going to miss the show? Yeah. You think HBO has any legs to stand on after this? They have some programs. I mean, it's actually just Max now. You think yeah. Max? You think our our, our our dear old good buddy Max? If they keep operating the business like they have been recently, it's not good. It's not a good look for their future. Yeah. But I don't know. Succession will be will be missed. I I'm not actually gonna miss it as much because it was a really stressful watch <laughs> for me. Like I can't stand corporate America. Oh my god. Um, but yeah. it was good TV, and that's sad to see it go. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it was it's sweet that it ended on a high note. Mm-hmm. Or a low note. <laughs> I don't know what a high note. Well, an explosive finale. <laughs> Pretty nihilistic. It's low for the characters. <laughs> I enjoyed it. You know, seeing them all get their just desserts. No, I get, I get what yeah. you're saying. Well, <laughs> for high the, quality. <laughs> for the last time, we'll play the succession theme here at the end. Bonk. Bonk.